You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 57. We're talking about five attitudes of successful church communicators. Let's get it together. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, if we can tear him away from reading large science books. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm so glad you're with me. I'm Seth, and again, going solo again this week. Got some guests coming up that I can't wait to reveal, but uh, we kind of been in a little bit of a pause season for the summer, for the end of year, actually. We're about to get into the summer, and uh, I can't wait for you to hear some of that that's coming up. First of all, I want to do a few house cleaning things. Thank you guys so much for downloading this podcast. If you like what you hear, it would really help me a lot for you to go to iTunes and do a rating and review or just share this with your friends and let people know, Hey, there's this podcast. You got to go check it out. So I would really appreciate that. Help me out. Um, I would love to connect with you in a couple places. First, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Go check me out at the, at Seth Muse. Uh, it's just one word together. Real simple. I'll link to, it's always linked in the show notes. And then if you want to get in, involved in our group, uh, we got about 200 people in there right now that are really active and talking about communications, asking questions. It's really great community. Uh, join the Seminary of Hard Knocks Facebook group. You can actually find that. Just go to sethmuse.com slash group and it will take you straight there or you can search it on Facebook and find it. If you know about my black and yellow branding, you will see it and you will immediately know that is it. So request to join. I'll prove probably just about anybody and we'll become best friends forever and sing songs and all kinds of great stuff. So uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll connect with me there and I want to let you know real quick, I have a resource available if you're not aware Go to sethmuse.com and anywhere on the page, you're going to see this. But if you want to go directly to the post, it's slash 88 posts. And what this is, is 88 actual ideas for church social media posts. I know a lot of people are like, what do I post on social media? How do I get people to engage? Um, how do I get people to respond to me? And while it's not an exact science in, what you, in the content, I can help you with some content marketing. And these ideas are proven. I've used a lot of them. They've worked for me. And if you will stay with it, I promise you'll see some, some real traction start to develop with some of these ideas. I've got 88 different ideas in there. There's only one or two that I'm like, eh, it might be similar, but the rest are pretty pretty unique. So go get that and start posting on your church uh, Instagram and Facebook pages and even Twitter and start uh, start really trying to engage conversations with your people because we all know that's what the social media platforms want you to do these days. So today I want to get into this uh, five attitudes of a successful church communicator. So let's get into that conversation real quick and I can't wait to share this with you. Here we go. All right, let's get into it. Five attitudes of successful church communicators. If there's anything I know about communicators like you and I, we love success. We got to show it, right? We got to prove that we deserve a seat at the table. We need people to know what we do because often what we do gets misunderstood is like we pay that guy to play on Facebook all day. And that's not at all what we're doing. We all know that, but we have to figure out a, a way to navigate the staff culture at churches because here's the deal. We've done, we can dig into how to's and be great at what we do 
with Facebook ads and content marketing and email marketing and, and be a great writer and have an awesome website. And you can do all of that. And that's really only half of it, because if you can't do these other things that have to do with leadership very well, it really doesn't matter how good you are, because somebody's not going to like you, and they're not going to let you do what you really know you should do. It's going to hinder your ability to go forward in what you're called to do, because you simply have some relational type leadership influence slash things going on that you need to fix. And so some of these attitudes have a lot to do with that because in the church communication world, we do really well at like going, here's how you can do this. Here's how you can do this. Here's how you can do this without telling you. And here's the obstacles. It's going to be a person and they're not going to like you and they're going to have a a power over you and they're going to take the advantage of that. And and you're going to have somebody that doesn't understand what you do that goes, that seems like a waste of money. And how do we deal with all that? Well, it's, it's hard And while we may not get into all the specifics of that, here are five attitudes that I think can help you stay in the game and not burn out as a church communicator. So here we go. The first attitude you need is an attitude of patience. You know, it's like when somebody in a department head just ignores your process and goes ahead and does whatever they want around you. It's when you've explained five different reasons that these fonts you know, can't coexist, but people keep using them. It's, it's how you say, don't tape paper, handwritten signs to the windows when you have an emergency for communications, but they keep doing it anyway. How do you deal with that? That's frustrating because we have a, a level of excellence we want to get to, and people are just trying so hard to keep us from it, right? It's their fault. That's no, that's when we have to have patience. We have to have patience because as we continue to do the right things and we continue to work on these other things we're about to talk about, if you'll have patience and just let things run their course and be, you know, pretty disciplined and diligent about these other attitudes, there will come a time when you're trusted. There will come a time when they ask you what you think. There will come a time when they don't make a decision without talking to you about it first because it includes you it involves you. It affects you. And those are the times when you go, oh man, so great. I'm so glad to be part of this team, but that does not happen overnight. So a lot of us are new in our job. If you're new, then understand this may not happen overnight. This takes time. So you have to have an attitude of patience. A wise person will show patience to an impatient person. So if you've got people around you that are impatient, that don't want to go with your process, that don't respect you, if you're wise, continue to show them patience and grace. And it is the best way forward, I think, for that relationship in gaining influence with people that you work with. So have an attitude of patience. Second thing you got to have is an attitude of detachment. Now, I don't mean some kind of like existential detachment from the world. Let go live on a farm and never kill anything that, that moves like insects or whatever. I don't mean be a monk. I mean a detachment that is like a protective kind of detachment here. Let me just tell you a quick story. When I was a kid, um, when I was a kid, the house next to us caught on fire and in the middle of the night, my parents got up, they went outside, uh, the whole neighborhood woke up. People came from all over our neighborhood. They brought hoses to hook up to our house and the houses that were next to this house that were on fire while we were waiting for the fire department to show up and put this flame out. And then the fire department shows up and woo woo with sirens everywhere, lights everywhere flashing. It was really crazy, loud. Everybody was up and helping out. It was a crazy night or so I'm told. 
because I slept through the whole thing and didn't know any of that went on until the next morning. I am a heavy sleeper. And even in my older age, you know, I'm getting up there now, you know, the ripe old age of 39. And, and, uh, and, and like, even as I get older, I start, I'm, I'm sleeping much lighter, but I'm still a pretty heavy sleeper. Uh, so I slept through that whole thing and there's a certain kind of freedom to being able to detach yourself from that sort of commotion. And uh, it's a, there's a peace in a detachment. And so in communications, we have a lot of things that we really care about. They're going to be going on all at the same time. And we have to kind of figure out what hills are worth dying on and which ones are not. We have to navigate relationships. And one of the hardest things to do for us is when there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, people start getting cranky. And we have to be able to detach ourselves from the chaos a little bit and give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes people are snappy with us because something else happened somewhere else that has nothing to do with us. And we take it personally and we get mad. And then we like passive aggressively try to retaliate. That only makes things worse. And so if we're able to say, you know what, this is work and what I do is work. And what they do is work. And sometimes I'm going to give them a benefit of the doubt, even if they're rude, even if they're snappy or whatever, because um, I don't really know what's going on in their life. And so when we can detach from the personal level, don't take things so personally when someone goes around our system or when someone says that I don't think your idea is very good or I don't care about social media. Don't take that personally, because if you do, then you start to harbor these feelings and you find yourself kind of on the drive home stewing over these conversations, these, these, these kind of feelings. And you're having conversations with someone who's not there and you're telling them off and you're getting, you're, you're getting all your zingers in and you're awesome. And, and, uh, you know, that just really doesn't help your situation. Um, th- there's a, there's a quote, um, that Donald Miller, I, I actually just posted it on Instagram today and I want to I'll read that for you real quick. It's from blue like jazz. And it says, Sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself. It's as if they're trying to show you the way. And I love that quote because I just had this kind of same thing happen. There was somebody who almost week three of me being at my new job, you know, went out to eat this older guy, a couple older guys that are in our church and um, on staff. And we went to the eat and, and they, they started asking me questions about what I do and, then they finally were just flat. Like, I don't think social media is very cool. I think it's stupid. You know, I don't understand it. I don't know why you care about it so much. I think it's kind of a waste of time and I don't use it myself. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I tried to defend it. You know, I tried to explain, but I didn't get mad about it. I could have gone, wow, those guys, they are stupid. You know, they're not on my team. They don't understand anything going on down here, but I didn't. And, you know, just tried to be, Okay, I get it. That's not for everybody. Sure. You know, not everybody understands what's going on. And that's okay. That is okay. I really mean that. That's okay. So not too much long, like recently, he comes to me and he goes, Hey, I got this volunteer that wants to start a Facebook group for our ministry. And I know you wanted us to start doing that because I did. I mentioned I would like for people to start doing that. And he was like, let's get together and talk the three of us and see what we can come up with. I was like, great. I'd love to do that. So they come to my office and we're talking and I'm going through groups and showing them how to use a group. And like, here's the great things you can do. You can do a live video and here's, you can talk about your uh, recap from your meetings and you can add blogs in here and posts and podcasts and things that help encourage people during the week. And I was like, giving him all these ideas. And at the end he said, 
wow, I did not know you could do all that for my ministry with this platform. I'm actually really excited about this. And basically it's like, he sees me love this stuff and it's like, okay, now I'm getting it. Now I'm getting it. And you know, that all is because I was able to detach from that first offense and say, you know what, I'm going to keep working on this. I know that's fine. Maybe something happened. He doesn't care about it. Fine. It's not that he doesn't like me. It's that he doesn't like social media. And being able to detach myself and separate that out allowed for space to be able to come back later and have that platform still with him to go, yeah, let's do this. And so now we're about to launch this group. And since then, just a couple days ago, since then, he's told me like three times, man, you really did help me, you know, redeem Facebook for me. I really think I'm excited about that. He's super pumped and we're going to advertise it tomorrow when this podcast or today when this podcast drops. So I, I can't wait to, to tell people about that group and get people in it. You know, just don't stew over those and don't take, don't stew over conversations and don't take things personally when people don't understand what we do. You've got to have an attitude of detachment. Third thing you need is an attitude of kindness. Uh, this is difficult because, um, you know, I was always told you know, kill people with kindness, which sounds very violent. Um, kill people with kindness. Wouldn't that be great to go that way? Like the headline would read Seth Muse was surround passed away today and he was surrounded by his friends and family uh, who told him he was great until he died. Uh, you know, that's a great byline. That's a great byline. Um, kindness is something that, uh, I've heard people say, well, I'm just not wired that way. And if that's you, I'm sorry, that's a bad excuse. That's an excuse. Um, I don't think God really wired you to be a jerk or unkind. Really what we're talking about is emotionally, emotional intelligence here. I think God wired us to be in a relationship and some of us do relationship differently. And for the most part, we don't like this kind of pleasantries and dealing with people's fluffiness. And we just want to get to the point. And sometimes we don't have patience for that. So go back to the first one. If that's you, you got to have patience, but sometimes, but God, I don't think God really, uh, is, is like go up there going, yeah, you know what? Um, I told him to be kind to one another, but, uh, that dude gets a pass. I wired him to be a total turd and I don't think God's up there doing that. And so I think we're all called to be kind in the face of adversity. And that takes maturity and growth and time. Um, you know, just some department heads are just not going to understand why you do some of the things you do. Some of the people you work with are going to think what you do is stupid and that's going to hurt. So we detach a little bit, but we also have to be kind. Even if there's somebody going, man, you know what? I think the way you do your job is terrible. In fact, I don't like you and I don't like your face. If someone's like that, I mean, that's hard. And if that, if you're in that situation, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that, but this is dealing with people and people aren't always perfect. In fact, I think hundred percent of them are sinners and we have some issues. So we have to be kind, even when it doesn't feel good to be kind, because again, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. A lot of the time, um, whenever you, when a, a department comes to you and says, this is our biggest event of the year, you've got to promote it. What is, what's wrong with you? You can calmly say, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I know how frustrating that can be. What else could I do for you? I can't do that, but I might be able to do something else. What else can we do? And at least offer the olive branch, but being kind yet firm. And here's what, here's the deal. We're not actually, kindness isn't like an option. And it's, I would say it's not even really a skill. It's a command. And if you're a communication director who tends to be the one that's difficult to work with, this is for you. Be kind to one another. 
Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's remembering that you don't have it all figured out either. And there's going to be things they they do that are going to frustrate you. How are you going to react? So that kind of attitude of kindness is necessary for a successful communication director. The fourth one is an attitude of friendliness. Now, how's this different from kindness, right? Friendliness is different. Kindness is how you act. Friendliness is more about pursuing a relationship. It's being friends, being present. And if you're an introvert, you're going to hate this, uh, which is fine. I get it. I'm an introvert too. I may not sound like one on this microphone, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm recording this by myself in a room alone at night. Okay. I can do whatever I want in here. So it's easy for me to sound this way. When you get me in a, in front of a huge crowd, I feel really good. I've did, I did that for years as a youth pastor. It's when you put me in a party situation and go, Hey, go meet a bunch of people you don't know that I hate that so much. I hate it. I go out and I'm like, I don't even know what to talk about. At uh, at a recent That Church conference I went to, there's a rooftop party, and I was so glad that my boss, Aaron Alexander, went with me because it's like, okay, I know somebody here, but I knew a bunch of people already, so it was really easy to go in there and, oh, hey, there's somebody I know. It's like you walk in and go, where are the people I know? I'm going to go talk to them first until we get comfortable, right? This friendliness is frustrating for introverts, but in the church world, it's a necessity and you have to be able to go and, and, and engage in relationship with people that you may not have a lot in common with. It's just good for you. It's also, it's good for your career, but it's good for you as a person. And, uh, and God kind of commands that we live in relationship anyway. You have to deal with every department as a communication director. You have to be able to do this. This is the toughest part of the job, in my opinion, is, is navigating all these different types of relationships pretty much on the spot, on the fly, all day without warning. It's tough. And, it, and at the end of the day, I come home and I'm emotionally just exhausted because not that I had a bunch of bad conversations, but that I had to change gears a lot. One person works one way and I have to change gears for this other person who totally gets what I do, but needs something all the time. Or this person doesn't understand at all what I do and thinks what I, and, uh, and is trying to do something. I'm stopping them because that's not the right thing. You know, it's like all these different navigations of relationships that I have to do. And I imagine you're going through the same kind of stuff. So because we have to deal with every department, an attitude of friendliness is very important. And, and here's why. Think about this. What do you want people on staff to do when they think about dealing with you? Do you want them to cringe? Oh, I got to go down there and face this guy, face this girl who's difficult and try to get them to do what I need them to do. Or do you want it to be to smile like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just go down and talk to Seth. He usually has some good ideas and is willing to help me. So uh, this will be great. I'll go talk to him. I want that one. I want people to be like, Seth is here to help, man. And if he says no, he'll usually have a solution of some other way. You know, he'll, he, he cares about the fact that I'm struggling. You know, that sort of thing. The friendliness. It happens because somewhere down the line, I got up out of my office, walked down and just stood in their doorway and asked how their family was. That kind of small talk is hard for an introvert, but we've got to make ourselves do it because it is what will, I guess, quote, grease the wheels for other relational stuff that may be tough when we have to get to our jobs. So have an attitude of friendliness. And last, you need an attitude of love 
for the process. You need to love the process. As, as a parent, we deal with this all the time. We're constantly teaching kids over and over and over how to do things, especially when they're young. I'm like, you're three years old. Stop putting the food on the floor. Put it in your mouth. That's obviously where we want the spoon to go. Stop throwing it on the floor. Why can't you do this yet? It takes forever. And, and the patience just wears out. And, and, and communications is kind of like that. There's a lot of stuff that we have to do every day and we may do it really well today, but tomorrow we got to go do it again. And just over and over and over, we have to post on social media. We have to update the website. We have to make new graphics for the sermon. We have to promote things. We have to talk about it. Uh, you know, put on our podcast. We have to do all these things over and over and the content keeps changing, but the tasks kind of seem to keep being the same unless we add something or take it away. So it is frustrating when we love to look at results and often the result is, okay, that was great. Now let's throw that away, completely forget we've done it and then start on something totally new. That's frustrating. So communicators, since we love to look at results, we often look at numbers and we look at how many followers we've gotten and how many Facebook engagement, what our Facebook engagement looks like. And those are great numbers and telling us how we're doing on those types of things. But how do you measure your influence? How do you measure your relationships? It's when you've got someone who normally would go around you that comes to you and says, hey, I've got this idea. What do I need to do next? Oh, you want to use my process? Okay, great. This is great. Or someone that normally goes around you and, and, and designs their own stuff for their department and it looks nothing like your church and completely breaks all the branding guidelines that you're trying to create. And then you create them and they go, you know what? This is really cool. I'm so excited. Can I have a copy of those so that I can make sure I stay within them? Cause that's permission for me. Like, Oh, that's great. That's great. You're going to play ball. Sweet. Uh, you know, those are kind of the ways that you can measure some of that influence or when people come to you and say, Hey, we had this idea. Would you put together a promotional plan for this event? Can you help us with that? Where can we promote this thing? Like when you start to see that kind of stuff happen. You're like, okay, the other things are starting to pay off. Influence is starting to be gained. And I, I'm being seen as a leader, even if I'm young or even if I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but female. And even if it, there's there's other barriers that are out there that are, have previously been in my way, they seem to be kind of dropping a little bit. Then you can start to say, I'm measuring influence, I'm measuring leadership. And you can start to say, I'm actually seeing that the process is is, is taking over and, and I'm, I'm falling in love with the process. If you fall in love with the results, if you fall in love with the results, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel like you're behind all the time because the results are disposable in a lot of times in what we do. But if you fall in love with the process, you're going to be fine. You're going to never, you're going to avoid burnout and you're going to start focusing on some of those relational things that really our job is about. I mean, honestly, if you want to survive the long game in church communications, you need these five attitudes. You need to be able to detach yourself a little bit, to give people the benefit of the doubt, be friendly, be kind, be patient, and fall in love with the process. Because if you don't, you're going to start burning yourself out trying to crank out new numbers every single week. And I don't know if you've ever been in a business world, that's exhausting. So you can still do that. Those are important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is your culture of your, st- of your staff, which you are a part of, and how you're on mission together accomplishing things. Because when you're on mission together as a church staff, your church gets on mission with you. And when you're all on mission together, God shows up in some pretty stinking amazing ways. It's just the way the church has worked for centuries. And so when you have division, you have all this infighting and struggle and strife. 
that is not fun to get up and go to work and face. And so if you can create a culture that, you know, understands that I'm in, I'm falling in love with this process. I love helping you communicate the gospel because honestly, that's what we do. If you don't feel like you're making a difference, let me tell you, you're wrong. You're a communicator and you're making a huge difference. You're, you're helping the guy or the girl that's on stage, that's communicating the gospel, that's communicating scripture, that's communicating values of your church. You're helping them do that better and clearer and more powerfully because you created print materials, because you updated the website, because you posted on social media about it, because you helped them craft the message through a story brand framework or through uh, some way that you like to communicate your values. And you've done that for them and helped them become a better mouthpiece for what God is trying to do through your church. And you did that because that's what you love to do, not get pats on the back. That's not what we're here for. And honestly, you're just not going to get that a lot. So let's stop looking for it and start focusing on the fact that God has gifted us to empower our church staff and our church leadership to do some things that they couldn't previously do because we understand how to do things they don't know how to do. Go be the biggest Facebook nerd that you know how to be. And and nerds, my nerds uh, who are out there listening right now, pastors and preachers and leaders, they need us. They need us. And if they know it or not, it's kind of irrelevant. They're going to know it and they're going to see it if you'll just keep pushing forward on these good attitudes that create great culture. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you'll join me on Instagram and the Facebook group and start connecting with me there. Thanks for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. Thanks for being with me. And next week, or two weeks, we're going to be back with Tyler Smith. We're going to talk about texting options in church. Can't wait for that. See ya.